Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with Levi Solicitors. Yep, they will offer you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. That sounds like a great offer to me. Do you know what's even better? Um, a Phil Hay Monday Club discount offer? Still, still can't do it. I was reading something. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the Phil Hay Monday Club. 15% off. What are the big three? Will's probate conveyancing. Well done, Michael. Big three. Oh, don't matter what division you're in either. Still the big three. They are very much so. Uh, yeah, 15% off on those if you want to get the code for that. Uh, head over to the Phil Hay Monday Club, which is in your YouTube feed and on your audio feed as well. Propaganda, where we find out what's been said, what's been uh, put out in the football world across the last seven days. Much sadness. Do we need to give a content warning for this one? This is where we're going. Are we going to fully lead into the misery and the anger and the bitterness today? I mean, these were all received... Because we've tried to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, these were all received ahead of the Newcastle-Leicester game, which has obviously put an extra nail in, hasn't it? Yeah. Because it was... I guess you're just relying on one result then, but now we need two results, three results to go for us. Mm. Newcastle was so annoying in that match. I didn't watch just it. Just score. Did they hit, how many times did they hit the Woodwork? Was it about five times? It just, like, by the... It started off being quite entertaining because you think, oh, they're going to batter Leicester here. And then by the as it was getting the end it was just like you pathetic bunch of idiots they don't deserve to be in the Champions League full stop but they certainly don't after that there should be like a ruling that says that game just denies you entry to the Champions League you've got to prove it again next week instead yeah they should yeah it should be um, it should not be confirmed until who does he play next week someone else right they've got to beat that team otherwise they can't be allowed in mm-hmm. I think. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, because they only needed a point in there to qualify, so they started accepting the point when it got towards the back end of yeah. the... Uh, and that's it, and now we have to put up with all... It's all like Dean Smith football genius because he let Leicester have... Well, apparently he lets Leicester have... This is like when... Um, was it... Uh, Steve Cooper. Steve Cooper. Um, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Swansea game where he reckoned he played for a, a 1-1 draw with a, an own goal in the 94th minute. I deliberately let them have all those chances early on that they chose to miss because I knew they would. That's how kind of how it's gone last night of, um, you know, Newcastle hit the bar and the post so many times. And then when it got to 90 minutes at 0-0, Leicester had five minutes in stoppage time of trying to win. And I was like, oh, Dean Smith's really frightened Newcastle here. But no, if they'd scored a goal in the first half, like none of that would have been relevant. That's so annoying. I mean, I'm not. I wasn't even annoyed at that result last night. No, because it just went. Ah, well, that makes no odds. We've we've since so many bottom in my mind. Yeah, I know it's mathematically impossible. But I feel like we might contrive to do it on the last. So I get points deduction or something. Just in some way, yeah. Yeah, I was, I it dawned on me last night that I was like tidying the kitchen just before I went to bed and putting stuff in the dishwasher, and I thought, 
not even bothered. I've been stressed all year about staying in the Premier League and now we're falling out of it, almost certainly. I was kind of went, oh well. <laughs> and also you look at the table and we're on 31 points. The most we're going to get to is 34 with a pathetic goal difference. You can't look at anything this season and feel hard done to, can you? You can just you look at our last was it nine games or something as well that we failed to win in, and you just go, you know, "There you go." Co- of course, but, of course. But, but, still might stay up. <laughs> what's the um, what's your dickhead website saying? Oh, don't even go into it. Is it like three percent? We something? know yeah. it's we know it's a stupidly small chance, but it's really simple though. All that's got to happen is Everton and Leicester lose, and we win. Yeah. And when you look over the course of a season, Everton have lost loads of games. Leicester have lost loads of games. We've lost loads of games. But they, they've they recently won games. We have not won games recently. So We're overdue one. We are overdue one. And it's sort of, it happened last season. We needed to win and we needed results to go our way. And we hadn't won maybe, eight, I think I remember saying this, when I was talking about we could stay up without winning another game. It had been ages at that we've, point. We've tried, the not, we've tried the not winning another game, but... But we did that last year as well. We got mm. we went ages without um, getting any sort of result. We got a couple of draws here and there. And then, you know, it's very understandable, the idea of just saying, well, it's over. There's no point even bothering with Sunday. But the last day of the Premier League, the relegation battle, every time that comes, it's always... It's never as simple as it just goes everybody stays in the same place and it's just you know the games kick off and they go exactly to form and it happens remember Everton versus uh, was it Wimbledon where there's all the hand stuff 1995 are you going yeah. back to well that's one classic one that people <laughs> just a mere, a mere 28 years ago <laughs> but even last year with um, Burnley having players sent off and hmm. Brentford going down to nine and nobody even knew like Jesse Marsh was trying to tell our players they've only got nine and all our players look around going, what do you mean? Nobody nobody knew that Sergei Callis had been sent off. He's doing German again. I see what I mean. <laughs> well, so the mad, there is, the last day is always a day where there is, um, madness is available. And um, for all the permutations, I know it's very, 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 very slim. But when you just drill down to what has to happen, Leeds win, two other teams lose. Leicester can even draw. The luxury of a draw, we can stay up. It's it's a 95% chance of us going down, so say, 538.com, which is what Michael was referring to before, which means that in, in 19 scenarios out of 20, we don't survive. So it is a slim chance. We're, pro- we're probably going down, I think, fair to say. Hmm. Yeah, I keep looking to my left. I've got the big screen where you're recording the podcast into audition, and it, there's a bit that says, zero problems detected. And I, my, my eye keeps being drawn to that and going, that's a lie. <laughs> we have lots of problems. And I don't think we can solve them. We've got more problems than uh, than Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, so Michael, what have we got on this week's propaganda? Do we, do we do the mega mix? It definitely is a mega mix of misery, isn't it, this week? Yeah, there's there's not a lot of hope. I think maybe there might be one person who's got a bit of the Moscow's anything can happen about them. But generally speaking, no, it's bad. Fucking shite. Honestly, lads, what the fuck was that? Went in front, better side, game was there to be won, let them back into it, no fight, no passion, no hope. Well, lads, it's nearly done. Another shit show of a season with not much to write home about. And to be honest, they can all go on the posh holidays and fuck off for me. I knew it was going to be bad when one of my parishioners told me at the end of church, hey, you might not want to look at the lead score right now. 
Oh, dear. In the words of my much-beloved late father, well, shit. It really is quite something to go from being the best coached, most coached team under Bielsa to be uncoached. Like Marsh basically uncoached us for, for fucking months. Christ almighty. The, the players are lost. They don't know what what's coming next. They don't know where to be on the pitch. They don't know how to pass each other. Oh, God. Fucking relegation. I had a funny thought on my nightly dog walk. You know, people are saying, oh, well, if we get relegated, at least we'll like win a load of games next season. We'll hang on to most of our players. We can play some of the youth team, really get them good experience in the championship. What if it's not that simple? Is, it, is this too early to be thinking about this kind of stuff? If we just never have a plan of how to have the ball, we can never win a game in the championship. Have I gone too, too much like a Michael kind of doom escalation here? We looked every single bit a rele- relegated side. We looked like bottom three fodder today. They completely dominated us. We scored the goal, great early goal. And like every other game, you know, that just means absolutely nothing. We spend the next 15 minutes being limp and allowing them to control the game. And of course, they get the equaliser. You know what? Championship next year. I'm coming over from Australia. Coming over in November, getting my leads tattoo. I'm a fucking idiot. But I love this club. I've been thinking for several weeks that we're going to be relegated. I did think that for a lot of last season as well, but you know, maybe this is just the way that I have to protect myself from disappointment. It's more just that, you know, we're still alive essentially because individual moments can change a season when there's so few points on the board, right? Like if if Bamford puts in that goal against uh, Leicester, like the from one yard, then we stay, you know, we stay up maybe. And I suppose it's also like that at the other end. Like, uh, you know, if if Kiko Casilla doesn't run into the back of Liam Cooper, maybe we win that semifinal and we're promoted a season earlier. You know, in both cases, Leeds makes you tear your hair out. But I would much rather be in the case where we're at least playing well some of the time because tuning into games I don't want to watch is just getting tiresome. Absolutely. I think that's the thing. The stat about we've won 11 games since Bielsa left. You really feel it, don't you? Yep. But every week you just think... Didn't win many before he went either. No, it's basically been two full seasons of losing games, hasn't it? Mm. It's not been much fun, has it? We've had some right pastings in there as well. And the Premier League, barring that first season, even then people are misremembering how much fun it was. It wasn't that much fun until we got probably to about February, March time when you thought we might do this. And even then it it took a long time for people to fully believe that we were going to stay up. I think it was when we beat Fulham, wasn't it, that we got to... 32 points and there was a 10 point gap or something to the bottom three and everyone was like okay but what if they string together three wins I think this this will probably be all right now also we weren't there Mm. yeah that goes under the radar a little bit I think that there was always the um, the quote attributed to Victor Orta that if we'd got relegated in the season when we weren't allowed in he was going to throw himself in the river and then given that the way that the team has actually played since we were allowed back in it's all just gone down at that point no point (laughs) No point keeping us in the division so that we could all come back and see that. The river's still there, Victor, by the way. <laughs> it does feel Yeah, he like... didn't say he'd stay in it. He just said he'd, he'd probably mm. do like a... People keep doing it, York races, don't they? And mm. Jump in, splash about, and then get out again safely. Yeah, fair enough. Shake all the water off like a, a, a dog on the <laughs> riverbank. <laughs> I, do, uh, I do wonder if my ambivalence is just down to the, what the Premier League is and has become in our absence. It's because it's not a very lovable thing, is it? It's very corporate. It's very sterile. Things like the Premier League anthem. I hate VAR. 
I hate... It's been great watching loads of great footballers come to Ellen Road. Unfortunately, it's not been great watching them take us apart most of the time. Mm. So I can do without that. I mean, I can watch them on my telly if I want to. That's I mean, the thing. I don't have to go to Ellen Road to watch yeah. them and be miserable. We can go back to what I used to say before we got promoted, which was that my dream scenario would be winning the championship every year and then staying in the championship to defend it. Yeah. Just be the best team in the championship and don't worry about getting involved in the Premier League because um, trying to break into the, the top half, you know, it's it's a little bit distorted this year because Brighton and Brentford have both done it, but they've both done it after, particularly in Brighton's case, it's taken years of, you know, we were talking about them, never being able to win more than nine games a season and then it turns out that while they were doing that, they were actually building a really strong club in the background, but it takes years. And, and half a billion pounds. And a lot of money. And then Brentford, similar thing, they did most of their growing in the championship um, so that they arrived in a, in decent condition in the Premier League. But it's still, because they've gone up and it's been two seasons, fish bash, it looks like overnight success. But um, those things do take a, a long, long time, which... It's maybe part of the problem at Leeds because after once we got to this idea of the 49ers taking over by a certain date, all the time frames shift. You're no longer on a, a long-term project of like we're planning for 10 years in the Premier League doing this. It's we're planning until somebody else comes in and starts another plan. So long-term ability to break into what's going on at the top of the table was kind of um, became, we made that more difficult for ourselves. And now look. I like what you wrote on the blog about that. I did like it because, yeah, we, we forgot to tend to the here and now because we were planning for a future that now won't arrive, as many people thought. But it's funny, isn't it? Like looking at like Brentford and even Brighton, maybe to an extent, you wonder where will they be in five years' time? Will they be able to sustain top six, seven? Well, it's, it's tough, I mean, isn't it? Look at, look at who's going down this year. Like mm. Leicester and Southampton were for years well run clubs. The Leicester model, Southampton have tried, they were obviously in the same transfer market as us for a couple of years, trying to buy the same players, people who could get from, who were doing well in France or whatever, and you buy them for 12 million and you do well and you sell them on and it works till it doesn't. Yeah, Southampton have done exactly what we were trying to do this year, mm. more than they have done in previous seasons. I think they've had the balance better in previous years because obviously they've been, been mid-table. But with Ralph Hasenhurtl, pure Red Bull running through his veins, and then the idea of that being the right uh, style of football to develop young footballers and then they got this mad intake of kids basically and their team feels a little bit like ours in the way that Sam Allardyce was struggling with the squad against West Ham where he, he it's clear with Allardyce he's put the most experienced team he can on the pitch in every single game. So Robles is there, Harrison plays no matter what Rodrigo starts, um, Forshaw starts when he's fit. It's all who's basically who is oldest and fit. And then when he turns around and then maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's not, but once players like Somerville and Yonto and Greenwood start the the emphasis on the pitch moves to the younger end, we're not as good because they just aren't as experienced at the Premier League and they've never been in a they've never been put in the situation of trying to battle against relegation before. And Southampton have done exactly the same where they've got the old one, Shea Adams, James Ward Prowse, Kyle Walker Peters, other people with uh, triple barreled names, and then just a bunch of, you know, 20-year-olds and uh, Lavia looks like a fantastic player but he would be better for what they were going through in five years rather than now and so neither us or Southampton really had a plan to get through where we are now so that the young players that they bought can be um, any use because now they just get sold to somebody else. And part, part of the reliance of, on that method is that the teams that come up 
at least a couple of them bounced straight back down and they've not done that this year. No. So it's kind of ruined it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you're looking at those teams and just going back to the point on like Brighton and Brentford, Brighton are probably, like you said, because they've been here longer, are insured against it a bit more. But you wonder what happens to Brentford post-Thomas Frank. They're one coaching appointment away from maybe it tipping the other way a little bit. Same could be said for, for Brighton if they continue to sell people, but the model doesn't quite you know sustain itself or they hit one bad year or, or the next coaching appointment doesn't quite work in the same way. But then you could say the same of Fulham, Palace, even Wolves. I'm going down the entire division in that bottom half right down to including Everton who are just outside the bottom three at the minute. None of them are particularly... They're one bad year away from being in a lot of trouble, aren't they? It's horrible. I mean, Moscow it's saying, you were saying earlier in the season, weren't you, that to get relegated, you normally have to do something worse mm. than just being bad. And we've successfully done that yeah, this year. Yeah, we really caught up. Because <laughs> at the time, well, I was saying, it did just seem like we just had a bad team. Mm. Um, that was pretty much uh, the limit of it. But then um, the way it has unravelled quite quickly and just how bad that team was has really become much clearer yeah, over uh, the course of the season. Well, on that, let's hear from Luke Ayling post-match. Yeah, very disappointed. Um, we started the game well. We got 1-0 up and then we conceded a goal again and then we come out half-time and we feel okay and then the second half's just not good enough. We just, you know, like we just can't seem to go again, you know. Um, then we put so much into the first half and in the second half we just have nothing. Uh, yeah, so it's very disappointing. Yeah, as you, you said there, you start the game so well with such intensity. Can you put your finger on where that has slipped? Yeah, I didn't know. Like, I think in year goes past, and like, I think teams have feared us when it comes to a running point of view and our fitness and stuff. And like, I just don't feel like it's it's there. Then, uh, then like this season, um, then like we start so well, we started bright, we score a goal, then they score a goal. Then no, uh, just in like that can happen at this level, but then we come out for the second half, and then like we just can't go again. So yeah, it's just. Yeah, then uh, Richard Chesternet is very disappointing. Can't seem to go again, have nothing. In years past, teams have feared our running and fitness, things from that point of view, but that's just not there. Do we go back to last summer and the lack of prep work? Well, we had to bring in someone who would do less physical fitness work, yeah. didn't we? And then may have swung too far the other way. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. And it's not just last summer because this season we had pre-season we had the Queen's season, we had the World Cup where they all went to Spain and did some training. So three chances to to get everybody fit. Staff listening. as well, Moscow. You've mentioned staff before. Yeah, and but it's it sort of, um, it's weird. It was mentioned, this was mentioned on the Guardian Football Weekly and podcast. I was listening to that this morning and they put it down to still, well, Bielsa burnt them out um, as if that's still the problem in that he ruins the fitness of footballers. He didn't burn somehow. Weston McKenney and Mark Rocker out, did he? No, exactly. Um, and I think... The problem is it comes a step after that and it's where everything comes down to. It's the choice of Jesse Marsh to replace Marcelo Bielsa and it's not even, this isn't really criticism of Marsh himself. I think we flagged this when he turned up. There's all the interviews from his former players where they talk about what Jesse Marsh does when he goes into a team and what makes, what his unique selling point is. There's a lot of people out there who will say, talk about how his pre-seasons are the hardest that players have ever had. He works them like no other coach. He, he really gets the fitness levels up there. They're, they're drained in pre-season, like, like basically what Bielsa did. And he was the choice to reduce the training levels to something more manageable. And that's not something he's ever done before. And because his one of his main tools is he goes into a club and he increases the training levels to make everybody fitter, 
one of his major tools to improve a team is taken away because you couldn't really make Bielsa's team any fitter. You can't increase Jack Harrison's fitness beyond where it was. But then also you're asking him to then reduce the stress levels or the overtraining levels. And it's not something that it's not something he does. So you've just put completely the wrong person in to solve whatever the problem was. If if fitness was a problem, if overtraining was a problem, Jesse Marsh was not the solution because all he would do at his previous teams is train people harder. Mm. And then he's the one saying, they've been overtrained, I've got to reduce the training. How are you going to do that? Well, it's not something he's ever done before. And it was all different. It was a different type of training as well. I think that's when you start to get into the nuance of it, it was all about explosive runs to press a ball, say three of you doing the all-in thing, you know, where you're swamping people to make recoveries, ball recoveries, as opposed to, let's say, stamina work, you know, because we know famously that Bielsa had the running track put in at at Thorpe Arch, um, and that's obviously going to build up long-term stamina, and I'm sure it's absolutely no fun, but it's the basis of any good season, isn't it, is long-term stamina, as, you know, as we will testify, I'm sure. As well, when Marsh came in, at other clubs he's had coaching staff he arrived at Leeds with like well we, yep. we've we got Cameron Toshak we'll f- that's what I meant about staff yeah. I said to Moscow Jacko before, can yeah. step up like if he normally relied upon those people to do a lot of the work for him which is not unusual I don't think in coaching a lot of a lot of managers over the years everyone has a fitness coach don't a, they? a lot of managers over the years have essentially had some broad ideas but then they delegate stuff to coaching staff and they have to do it and if the coaching staff aren't used to doing it in the way he wanted it to be done or are simply not there or simply not there. Yeah, they just weren't there, were they, for a long time? So, yeah, I mean, even this summer, I mean, this needs picking over at the end of the season, really, but, like, the the late appointments of of his team for this season, I know there was the emergency stuff last year, but then you have a summer to get it right, and even the, even then, you're waiting around for fucking Chris Armas to eventually become available, and then he turns up and it's too bloody late, and yeah. probably a shit appointment anyway, so... So it's asking Marsh to do stuff that isn't really suited to him and then giving him no help to do it. So great start. And then it's where a lot of this sort of goes above him is what we're talking about. And it's, there seems it more and more sharply feels like a sense that if they just got rid of Bielsa, then everything else would be fine. And that's not been the case at all. You, if there were problems with what Bielsa were doing, they needed better solutions than just him not being there. And then the other aspect of this as well is I think the squad. And that's something that, um, you know, Bielsa got all the, the flack for wanting a small squad. I feel like I didn't. I should have done the numbers on this, but I didn't. I feel like the squad is even smaller, and certainly in terms of play. Like when you look at, and Allardyce has gone straight to this and said, "I haven't got enough players to do anything." And you think one of the other criticisms. I feel like I'm defending Bielsa against a lot of this for some reason, but it all kind of comes back to how we've moved on from it and how we've solved the perceived problems of that time. Did also not say that he wanted an 18-man squad. Like, he said he wanted a small squad, didn't he? Like, it's one of the things I'll keep. He did an interview to that effect, no? Yeah, he did. He, and he, so it made it seem like it was less um, his idea and more a club, more less Bielsa's idea and more a, a club policy, but it's certainly something that Bielsa agreed with and Guardiola agrees with it. He, he doesn't, they don't like having people hanging around not, not doing much. But the players who were hanging around last season, there was some criticism. Charlie Creswell, Jamie Shackleton, Tyler Roberts, Joffrey Gelhart, all young players, all in different positions, all available. And then this year, it's like, no, we'll send them out on loan to get experience. And now this year, well, we, we we need them, really, don't we? We could really do with a Charlie Creswell at this point, or we could do with Joffe being available off the bench, because we haven't got a striker on the bench. Last season, we had Joe Gelhart, we had Tyler Roberts. Whether they're good enough for the Premier League or not is kind of irrelevant, because what we have now, Allardyce doesn't think he's good enough for the Premier League. He turns around, looks at £35 million worth of Jorginho Rutter, and he'd probably love to swap him with Tyler Roberts, because at least Tyler Roberts has played some football matches at this level before 
but they're all off in other places doing other things. And even when we're talking about the rebuilding with the with the youth, the planning for the future, Darko JB and Matteo Joseph are off playing tournament football in, internationally. They're not available to us either. So that then brings us back to the, as you move up through the squad, why is Diego Llorente in Rome? Why is Matthias Click in Washington, D.C.? When we don't have any midfielders and we've got Rasmus Christiansen playing centre-back and Luke Ayling at right-back is absolutely knackered. Like, it would be, like, whatever you think about Diego Llorente's qualities as a footballer, and he actually did all right with Rome in between hamstring injuries. So he probably would be injured if he was still here. But <laughs> it would be nice to have the option of a Spanish international centre-back instead of a right-back when we need centre-halves to play. And still no backup left-back. And then, Which is the thing we've been asking for for, well, ever since we saw Junior Furpo play. Still not capable, still not capable first-choice uh, left-back. And when we're talking about solving fitness overall, Bamford and Rodrigo's constant injury records makes you think, you know, was Rutter the right signing? Was Sonny Perkins the right player? Like, we, we need that player in between to just stop assuming that one or the other of Bamford will be available and have a third option, which is something I think I've argued the opposite of in the past. You know, this is the hypocrisy, hypocrisy of hindsight. But it's obviously become a glaring gap that there is nothing in between Bamford and Rodrigo. It says, but as we just said before, these things haven't been a problem until they become a problem. You used that phrase earlier, and that's what it is, isn't it? Loads of people have said, well, I don't think we've quite got enough mm-hmm. up there. And then we get the programme notes saying we've got two international number nines and one of the best hot English striking yeah. prospects. And then actually two of them have been injured on and off all season again. Yeah. And then um, so and the other the, one's out on loan. So when I've said before, like, you know, don't we don't need to, it's kind of the warm bodies thing. Do we need to sign Shea Adams, for example, who's taking Southampton? Down? Yes. Anyway, well, it, it wasn't necessarily a yes until you're letting Joe Gelhart go on loan to Sunderland. And then it's suddenly like, well, you're putting even more on Rutter coming in, but then he would be useful for us now. Click would be useful for us now. And the only reason Click isn't here is because we hammered Brendan Aronson to the point where he's looks a shadow of the player who arrived in summer. And then Urente isn't here. And neither is Charlie Creswell. One of them would be useful now. So we had some some reasonable <laughs> centre-back cover. Need a number nine, Moscow. We've got one well, on across, Fulham. <laughs> well, yeah, even Dan James would be useful at this point. And then Stuart Dallas being injured all year and Adam Forshaw's fitness never being recovered. There's, there's, I don't know Weston McKenney exists, but that wasn't even till January. Who was Stuart Dallas's replacement? Was it Rocker? It he just, was, no, he was Calvin's replacement. Yes, he was. So was it Tyler Adams? Adams is Adam Forshaw's replacement, isn't he? So there's, <laughs> there's, there seems to have been no idea that, you know, Stuart Dallas, who could play left back, could play midfield, could play on the wing, you know, very important player, leadership role, high quality, real key person. I don't know if anybody noticed that he literally snapped his thigh and is not <laughs> going to be able to play. But there just doesn't seem to have been like a big, oh, we got Darko JB. Like, that's probably, that's probably the move. And when you look through the, the squad planning of like, well, Stuart Dallas will will be fit at some point and then JB will come along the pathway at this point and he'll be fine. And JB might be great in the future, but again, where is he now? He's off playing tournament football, so he can't even, he can't do anything to help us at the moment. And and, you, and it's clear, like, Allardyce, when he was staying at the weekend, it's like, oh, you know, I worked out the problems quite quickly. I'm not going to talk about them now. But then every other question that he answered was, I don't have anybody on the bench. The squad isn't strong enough. Um, I don't have a centre forward. 
it, it's obvious that he's looking at the way the squad has been built and it's just um, disbelieving. And, you know, we don't really need to keep the sum As Allardyce is, start, is worrying me because he's sort of like, well, you know, if they do want me to keep keep uh, hang around to sort this out, no, you're right, Sam. <laughs> but it's it's Get pretty basic. Well. <laughs> we don't we don't need Sam Allardyce specifically to spot this. I'm sure Grathier. I think he was just a bit too. But actually, no, Grathier was doing it as well because we said when Adam Forshaw came back fit, he was like, "Well, yeah, we don't have any centre midfielders." So I'm obviously I'm glad he's fit again. Anybody with any sense has come in and gone. Well, this squad is completely imbalanced, so you just need to buy some players in all the places where you don't have any players. <laughs> so it's not going to be, you know, we're ever, there's a lot of worry going into the summer. Like we, don't so, have a, we don't have a director of football. We don't have a manager. We need to buy those players. It's back, pretty simple. Takes us back to what Michael said. Sign all the left backs and sign all the central midfielders. Anyway, it was being exasperated. So we're uh, West Ham confused by it all as well. You know, I think those players, like you said, they're a team that are fighting for their lives. They didn't look like it today. You know, if I was there, for, I think that's a different. I was a bit story. surprised because I've watched them the last couple of games. So they got a, they lost two one at City. They they put in a good fight, and then last week at home to Newcastle, they probably got stuck in. And I thought I was I was a bit worried coming here today because no, there's no pressure on us now. We're we're safe with the way results went yesterday. You know, we could have a lot of players don't want to get injured. They don't want to miss out. Always on Prague now that for that for this football club. I know there's one more game left in the Premier League, but um, I was a bit surprised of how bad Leeds were. Yeah, no, no. See, you, you know, you're sitting there saying they were fighting for their lives. They didn't look like it at all today. They, they just looked like a puppy rolling over and having belly tickles. Right, look, they showed a bit of spirit for the first five, ten minutes. They got their goal, and the worst thing that happened to them today was going one nil up. If, if you're scrapping to survive, you put a better shift in what they did today. We we made them look as bad as they actually yeah. are. I yeah. never, I never really disliked Allardyce, but I think he sort of mugged himself off a little bit in the press conference and. Like, he's obviously been targeting this game. And if he's been targeting this game, like, what the fuck has he been playing at? Because they was fucking dog shit today. Honestly, they were terrible. Oh, terrible. 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 It's right. It's right. We were the second half. Did you get a drink here? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Wait until the microphones are coming back to start <laughs> First pouring yeah, some water out. Hang on a minute, everybody. I'm just going to go to the loo. <laughs> 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 I remembered. I think that's what why the second half was so weird to watch because <laughs> <laughs> at some point you imagined <sighs> we would push forward and like actually put some effort in. But uh, Dan's, if you're not watching the video, it's Dan's urinated into a cup now. Giving it a good shake. Giving it a good ASMR stuff. This. Yeah, why didn't we try? Hang on, I'm just going to put the lid back at on the bottle. Po- one at, second. At any point. <laughs> Very nice. Because we're shit. Because they've lost all the confidence. They've never been in this scenario before. And they don't know what they're doing. They're panicking. Their asses have gone. Players got younger, as we were saying before. The experience left from the, the field. All the players that kind of know what they're doing. Fitness-wise, I think Harrison must be injured as Yeah, well. I think so. Coming off yep. every game on the hour without fail. And it'll be... He's not playing badly either, I wouldn't no. say. We, and we go back to the start of the season when everyone was like, why has Harrison suddenly gone off the boil? And it turned out he needed about seven operations. And it's like... So we've never... There's another player who's not been fit all season and would make a great difference. So there's that. And then also, I think it's related to fitness and the whole thing as well. And Allardyce was talking about it. And Bielsa used to talk about it. And there's a bit of Marsh has mentioned it as well. Of Allardyce is the most recent one talked about it being lead boots. When you don't win, you keep losing, you get beaten down all the time and you start running as if you're wearing lead boots. He's saying, we're trying to get the lead boots off them and put the light boots back on again. But um, for some reason, 
when uh, we get to, and you could kind of see it in the celebrations for the first goal, Rodrigo running straight to Robbie Keane. And it all felt like, well, Robbie Keane has been telling him, you know, just take more chances, hit stuff on the volley. There's going to be a, a throw in coming in, just whack it in the net, be confident, believe in yourself. And then he, he has that and he, he runs. But then as soon as we concede, it seems like the lead boots come back on. And so Bielsa, when he talked about it, he used to say about how you couldn't believe that the players put so much effort in when they were getting beaten all the time. And he used to love the group of players that we had. He said they should be running much less than they are, but I can't fault their effort. They're a great bunch of lads. And <laughs> Jesse Marsh um, put it in his own particular weird terms, but he had a bit of a point as well, where he's like, he said, I mean, it's such a stupid thing to say, but he did have a point of like, if we had got relegated last season, then he might have done better with them in the championship where there's they could have won more games. And while they were winning games, they could have learned more about how he wanted them to play. That's the part where it starts to get stupid. Like, what is there to learn about fucking banging it at the penalty spot? But his idea was, it's very difficult for him to get his ideas across to players who are losing all the time because they can't build up that confidence in them. And, and the They side- have no faith in the system because we keep losing. I can't believe it. <laughs> yes. <so laughs> you just need to believe more. <laughs> but, you know, he did have a point, though. I will give him the point that if we had been in the championship where, you know, whatever system you've, you're playing, if, and surely just like the fact that it's 46 games, you can... You can win a few more of them, even if you win percentages. <laughs> if we go down, I'll get awful. to keep Rafinha, right? Which was basically the plan last season. Um, but yeah, so the psychology of it all as well, I think combined with the, the fatigue, two years, like, we're all pissed off with two years of watching them lose. Um, players like Ailing, Harrison, um, who I think are good professionals, also will be pissed off with two years of playing, losing football. Because they can't be happy with the way that they've performed, particularly when injuries come into it. Um, someone like Harrison, who I think puts a lot of, you know, he seems like the perfect professional. And if injuries are preventing him from playing as much and contributing as much as he believes he can, frustrating. Same with Forshaw, can't get through an hour. How must that feel? You can't play more than an hour of football in a situation where it's really necessary. And Bamford, two years of just every time he tries to, you know, score a goal against Brentford immediately in your hamstring celebrating try to come back last season your plans are fast your snaps try to play now your hamstring goes again it must just grind you down and then you have um, you know everybody looking on going oh why don't they run as much as they did when Bielsa was it like fucking hell at some well, point I've had plantar fasciitis recently and it bloody hurts and now Rodrigo's got it yeah it really hurts and I can't I'm surprised he was still running around on it because I can't go up and down my stairs sometimes with this it bloody kills You've got the lift button, haven't you? Well, there is that, that's, yeah. Uh, it yeah. sounds, it's weird, because the amount of money they get paid reduces the amount of sympathy that is available for footballers. But you do, when you think about the context of playing with an injury, like, I don't like getting a paper cut. <laughs> I'm not going to go fucking running around with a... Well, give up your paper round then. Give up your paper round and that can all stop. Anyway, listen, Alex wants to blame the players. Whilst we've all accepted that there's been a lot of faults at the top this season, and undoubtedly there has, I think there does come a time when you need to point a finger at the players. On 86 minute, when your manager's shouting try when you're 2-1 down and you don't really look like you're trying, uh, I think some questions need to be asked. Honestly, you know, over-entitled, not really asked, and a big part of the reason that we are going to enjoy next season playing fucking Huddersfield again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This morning I drove in past the past Ellen Road because the way we're coming, 
and there's all the pictures of them on the northeast corner. And I must admit, I did go past and go, loser, 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 loser. <laughs> Fuck off. All of you. I mean, any sympathy? <laughs> sympathy does erode when you watch that third goal. Yeah. Just clueless, yeah. flapping about, everyone rolling around on the floor. Poor Brendan. <laughs> like, did, we, did we manage to work out what happened to him yet? He just get. I think he gets knocked over by Somerville, which <laughs> is... Um, and just, yeah, just goes flying. There's a screen... I've got a screen grab on my phone of him as the, players, the West Ham players running away and he's just... His legs are in the air. He's literally upside down. That boy needs a year in the championship to toughen him up. But the hilar- he's going to get it. The hilarious thing about that... Well, not hilarious. And this is where you do, you know, have to ask questions about what the players are up to. All West Ham were doing was trying to waste time and it was easier to score. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is not a good advert and... Yeah. Should we, yes, should we hold it in the corner? Probably not. Point. No, just, just run round everyone yeah. and put it in. Even because even if they win it back, that's all we can do really. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, let's move on then from Leeds United because... Um, it's too much, isn't it? It's too, it is too much. No, you need to make yourself... Do you know what? It's, it's spring. The sun is shining. We have our health, you know. We, we might stay You up. don't. You've got, dodgy, you've got plantar fasciitis. I've got my health apart from that. Once that's once they ankle, it's amputated at the ankle, that'll be gone. I've had to buy insoles. They were forty pounds. Were they forty pounds? You've been praising those insoles. I didn't realize they were forty quid. They've worked though. They're actually fixing it. I know. How do you bloody, feel about that? Bloody hell, though. Yeah, but it's worth it, isn't it, for your feet, for your health. You can't put a price on good health. Mm, I suppose so. I mean, forty it, quid's a lot, though. If it was your <laughs> back, which you whinge about fucking incessantly, you'd buy a forty-pound thing that you stick on your back, wouldn't you? Um, backpack. I, do you know, in fact, I'd buy it for you just to shut you up. All right, you can do. You'll, you'll appreciate <laughs> this, and it maybe says uh, something about the dis- disparity in wages. But I saw a video of I think it's Arsenal's Casey McCabe giving a pair of boots to a young fan, and she's about to hand them over. Then she's like, "Oh, hold on a minute," and then it kind of she's come back. She says, "I had to take the insoles out," and I bet it's because the forty quid. Yeah, there'll be she's some orthotics. Like, oh, there'll be there'll be custom orthotics at football. Be, level, yeah, yeah. yeah, 
there'll be a there might be a boot sponsorship there, but I don't know if there's enough wages in Arsenal women for uh, for to be paying out for insoles. You can't give, give the insoles away to every passing child. If Fogden wouldn't have given them back, would they? You see that clip this week? No. Thogden. So he bumped into a kid. I presume it was outside. But he's a Bolton fan, isn't he? What yeah. is a Thogden? Uh, Thogden is that that child blogger. Oh, okay. Just stuff with his dad on YouTube. Yeah, and he, and he was, stuff it, it, it was and he was over in uh, it was over in Qatar, wasn't he? Saying what a great bunch of lads they all were. I think somebody uh, got hold of him right. and said, "Say some nice things about Qatar because we're we're paying for you to be here or whatever the dynamic was. I don't know, but anyway, he got a lot of copped a lot of flack for that. Um, anyway, so he was doing his one of his more recent things. And I think at the end of the, the game, end of the season or whatever, some kid has got um, the keeper's glove, which, you know, a nice little souvenir. Mm. Thogden walks up to him afterwards, after the end of the game, and basically says, can I have that? And this kid's like, you can see it, and the kid's pleading almost like, no, this is mine. And he ends up giving it to him, I think, because he's got a camera in his face, and Thogden takes the glove. And there's been a right backlash for it. He just basically, like, nicked a glove off a kid. Whose glove? The keeper. The Who's Bolton, goalkeeper? The, the, oh, the, the Bolton goalkeeper. Eskalainen. Yeah, exactly. Isn't the Bolton goalkeeper his brother? Thogden's brother. I've got a feeling he is. I've got a feeling he's on loan. His brother plays for Man City and he's on loan there. I'm sure I've seen this in a video. Either way. Even worse if it's his brother's glove, just, just ask him. Just go, I can have one of your gloves. Go to his bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Nick something. But yeah, got, like, got some of his socks too. A, a right backlash on it. Yeah, anyway, it's worth worth looking up um, to get the actual full story. I was going to say, let's move on to other clubs because Leeds are making this miserable. And I know Man City was described as the Death Star wins another mm. title this week, which I liked a great deal because that's basically what it is. They won the title. Wow, big deal. Whatever. Enjoy yeah, it. It's worthless. Yeah, pointless. Uh, with your, what is it, 115 <laughs> infractions of financial fair play? Well done. Glad to be in the, out of the Premier League. Never wanted to be here in the first place, did we? <laughs> anyway, City Extra always brings us a smile, is what I was going to say with that bloody long run-up. Uh, so this is from his live stream that he did after winning the league. and he was he Which was, one? What do you mean, which one? City Extra, there's two of them. Oh, the older one. Oh, okay. Big bro. Big bro. He's doing, he's doing I think he's trying to do music. We have to say, by the way, we need to figure out what to do with propaganda next season as well, we should just say. Please can we keep tabs on this lot? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I'll miss them if we don't. Well, they'll be in the Northern League if there's any justice. So he's, he's about to do a musical thing, and he's, but this is just him getting... Getting hyped. Getting hyped in the way he does. Because Manchester City people are Premier League champions, man. Once again, unbelievable scenes. Can you believe it, boys? Unbelievable. Let's, let's, let, 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 let me go with a speech. I'm going to go for a speech, boys. Get it? Yes, people. Is he going to rap? <laughs> What's better get on with it. He's huh? just, just, just... Fire in the chat, please. Fire in the chat, fire in the chat. Fire in the chat, people. Fire in the chat, let's go. Are you fire in the chat? That was it, was it? The no, well, no, the no was just, fire in the chat. <laughs> there was fire in the chat once he started asking for it. Do you know what that reminded so me of? That. You know, like in the BBC News when they're counting down to the hour. Well, it's, the, it's, it's the BBC it's News, oh, it's BBC it. News thing. Oh, right, it was. Right. Which I don't think he realises. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just thinks it's a really good tune. But it's BBC News. <laughs> it's like some sort of deep house underground <laughs> number. Yeah. It's, it's found from... He went. He, I will say, this went on for about five minutes. So right. I've, I've Good job Hugh Edwards doesn't do that, does he? <laughs> You're waiting for the headlines, like fire in the chat. Like, I, don't, I want to know what's happened to the economy. Fire in the chat. Come on, I'm getting ready for it. The Queen is dead. Today, fire in the chat. Fire the in the chat. Dead. Her Majesty, etc. Right, so what's this then, Michael? So this is, this is what he goes on to. 
<laughs> right. The season. We've not had it all our own way, people. Another loss at Spurs. Haaland makes us worse. All eras must come to an end. Kevin De Bruyne is finished. Jack Grealish is not good enough for this club. We admire us. It's too old. But I'll tell you one thing, people. I'll tell you one thing. This club, this club has heart. This club has spirit. Thought we was going to get a drop there, innit? So it's okay, we'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> thought it was going to what they do have is access to the unlimited wealth of a, of a Middle East gas There's rich another, nation it goes on for I just stopped it there because he obviously expect, he was expecting a drop and it, it's quite funny that it goes wrong but it goes on for like another five minutes of him just <laughs> describing the least jeopardy of, in the season he was like there was that time when we were we didn't score in the opening 20 minutes against Southampton Calvin boop, Phillips boop, 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 boop. <laughs> bit unfit bit unfit thankfully we had another seven <laughs> Brilliant central midfielder, so it didn't matter too much. Did you see that Calvin nearly scored, by the way? Oh, no. Against Chelsea, yeah. Not I watched any of it. I think he hit the post, yeah. Not watched a bit of it. It was uh, The one thing I have seen was the players, and this is just a tribute to a fine Yorkshire upbringing. <laughs> Do you want me to put some sort of... Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> ...slow house beat underneath this uh, that coincides with the seconds? The players were turning up for the post-season party. And, do you want um, me to put the first bit of that first no. clip on just so you can do it and the, uh, some of them were having a minibus as a group and obviously because he was raised by fine Yorkshire people Erling Haaland is up front with the bus driver and you can see through the window that the first thing he does is shake hands with the bus driver and thank him for bringing them to the nightclub and then he gets out and it's just like what a Alfie's raised a good one I know he plays for them and he's nothing to do with us but um, uh, it takes a village doesn't it? So I like to think that the involvement that, you know, Uncle David Hopkin, I don't know if Dave Weatherill is godfather to him or something like that, but, you know, he's been there, he's been raised well. And it's just those little details that always seem to stand out with Harlan. And also him running around just swearing on every TV interview we could find. Because he doesn't care. No, he, good. he doesn't have to. No, he, he can afford not to. Uh, let's move on to one of our favourites, Stevie's back then. Stevie Nicholl, former Liverpool defender. Do you think he's he thanks bus drivers? No. They're just doing their job. But he doesn't shake the hand. It'll be a it'll be a nod and a, a cheers. Yeah. Which I think's enough. Yeah, he'll know. I think I feel like if if everyone shook the bus driver's hand, it'd slow the services down <laughs> as everyone's getting off. Bump, think bump, if, bump think if it's like a busy city centre stop where, you know, one of those ones where everyone gets off and yeah, you've got to so, you've got to go down the line. To be clear, it was a hired minibus. He wasn't, well, yeah. He didn't get off the, the <laughs> The bus to Stockport or not a double decker. <laughs> do you, as a rule, do you thank the bus driver as you get off? Yeah, you've got to thank the yeah, bus driver. It's fucking yeah. horrible not to. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I do as well. You've got to. Oh, the bus drivers, they are, they are pretty grumpy often. Yeah. yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's part of the deal. Well, uh, and it helps as well because when you are thanking 
the bus driver, you don't necessarily want some like big cheerful conversation mm. to resort of it. You just want to cheers, pal. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. A nod wink. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Not wink. That's weird. No, I can't see it. Stop being suggestive to the bus driver <laughs> on your way out. <laughs> Well, the one on my route is sexy. That's he, right, that. I, I like him. They called him love on the way in, and mm. wink on the way out. That is one thing, by the way, if, you, if, you are, if you're abroad or far outside Yorkshire, that, that bus drivers will call you love as a grown man. Mm. Yeah. All right, love. Yeah. Maybe that's why Harlan gets on with them. Yeah. Because he knows he's been raised in the, in the north, so he, he's no fear of bus drivers. So Steve, before, before we get on to Steve, let's right. finish on him. As we've talked about people occasionally being a bit of a grumpy knobhead. Should we hear from <laughs> Should we hear from Phil Neville? Yeah, okay then. Fine. He, he was he was cross about a journalist, and it completely falls apart for him. We 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 won fight. We. No, can I finish speaking? Are, are you going to interrupt? Can I finish speaking? Okay, because I don't interrupt your question. Okay, so don't interrupt mine. Show some fucking respect. So, oh. sorry for the language. The. In in the, sorry, what was the question? Ask me the question again, please, Franco. <laughs> yeah, I forgot, I forgot the question. So, so by all means, do now interrupt me because I've made a complete tit of this. <laughs> Phil Neville, I don't, what's even? I don't even know who's managing anywhere. Is he yeah, still in, Inter Miami? Yes. So, guess you know who the president of Inter Miami? Uh, yeah. Will Smith. No, no. <laughs> Come on, who was employed? It's Beckham. Given, I know it's Beckham. Who was giving Phil Neville a job? Oh, okay. I don't think Michael knows. Fair um, enough, yeah. Yeah, so, and also then, so who is... I was going to guess the rich fella from Salford. So who is in the team? Um, Paul Scholes, John O'Shea. No, you need to come closer. Gary Walsh. No, closer, closer, closer. <laughs> I don't know. His son. Oh, okay. Um, I think he's, he must be in the B team now. Is he a Nepo baby? Yeah, highly. And Beckham's son was there as well, but obviously he's been loaned to... Brentford B mm. this season um, but Brent, yeah do Brentford B call them B, B, W, E no but they should they really should um, but yeah the Herons as into Miami unknown um, had yeah Phil Neville one of his other spiky moments is trying to um, insist that uh, there's no nepotism involved with um, having brought his son from um, Manchester United's youth team to Valencia's <laughs> to uh, um, was it Valencia where Gary was manager. Yes. Yeah, Bad, yeah. From badly there, as well. Very badly. From there to, uh, to into Miami, it's just all the queens. Like, no, he's not getting any uh, special treatment. And he brought them. He brought him on in a as a substitute in a in like a friendly against. I think it might have been against Barcelona or something like that. Like the biggest games. Like they gave them a chance. Yes, it was. It was the preseason, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 He was like, no, no, that wasn't favourite. In fact, I'm fairly sure that might have been when Rafinha scored his first goal for Barcelona. Maybe. That rings a bell. Yeah. Oh, he did. He definitely scored. Anyway, Stevie, come on, give us Stevie. Thank you to everyone who's tagged me in this because loads of people point him in the direction of this one. Steve Nicholl, former Liverpool defender, now works for ESPN, has become a bit of a cult figure on this show because mm. of his dour and often strange behaviour as well. He likes to eat, uh, we, we know from um, his player profiles in the past, bags and bags of crisps, potato and, chips. And we're about to learn here, loves drinking too. Yep. I think <laughs> Moscow discovered this story first of all, a tale of him setting Gary Ablett's wife's hair on fire. I can't remember where you discovered this no. in the first place. Were they filming quite a pe- well Pepsi advert or something? <laughs> No, not that one. Anthea Turner was there, got blown up by a motorbike. Right. That's another, another famous clip. But um, So this this is the first time I've heard Stevie talking about it. In though. his own words. In his own ah. words. So here he is. He's setting the scene. Oh, dear. Well, that was a long... This is a long day. This was the semi-final of the FA Cup. Uh, Liverpool were playing Crystal Palace um, at Villa Park. Uh, and I was injured. So I was going down on the bus with, with all the staff and all the wives and all that in the morning of the game. 
And so we started drinking on the bus on the way there at like 10 o'clock in the morning. So obviously they played the game, we got beat, more drink on the way back on the bus. And, and Kenny had organised to go to a, a Chinese restaurant, uh, the Mandarin in Liverpool, with all the players and all the wives after the game, because obviously we thought we were going to win and, and all the rest of it. So by the time I got there, I could hardly stand up. I was like absolutely annihilated. And it actually worked out because, as you can imagine, after losing this cup semi-final, semi-final FA Cup, I mean, everybody's everybody's devastated. Yeah. But because I was so drunk, it kind of it kind of loosened up the mood a little bit. <laughs> so this is BBC Sounds, by the way. You can find it on BBC Sounds. Sacked in the morning podcast. Same thing. Was he was he talking about drinking on the bus on the way to the game? Yeah. Like so, not the yeah. day before. No. So it sounds like he's. This is the day of the game, and because he's not playing, he's just thought, "Fucking great, I yeah, can get, I can get arsehold. <laughs> I was thinking we keep talking about, and we've mentioned this before. How do we get Brendan Aronson's strength up? He needs a day like this because mm-hmm. he's only twenty-two, isn't he? And he only he was saying like his first taste of beer was the celebrations in Salzburg when uh, they won the league last year. He's like, oh, because you know he's too young legally to drink in America. He needs a day like that, just getting absolutely smashed on a coach. Shall we offer, Brendan, if you're listening? Yeah. We don't know what, we don't know where. We'll take you somewhere. Just a real heavy day of pints <laughs> in the sunshine that will leave him struggling with the hangover for days. Obviously, He'll join up as a boy and he'll leave as a man. Not encouraging anybody binge drinking, don't do it, unless um, I would... Unless just, you really enjoy it. I would stop at a sensible four cans of the Square Balls uh, mm. beer from North Brewing as long as you are over 18 and drink responsibly. But Brendan, you are over 18 and you you are responsible in every aspect. Just, yeah, cut loose. There's um, an artist called, <laughs> Mi- called Mr. Bingo and one of the things he sold on his website, uh, as well as obviously actual artwork he'd done, was um, get shit-faced on a train and mm. you, you bought the right to, he said he would buy you a return train ticket to somewhere and you were in drinks for the train. Yeah. And, that was, and that was an experience you could have. Yeah, I think it it's was like, doing, like one uh, of those red good. letter days where you could buy yeah, like a trip in a yeah, balloon. Or yeah, get a shit, get a shit faced on a train was the was the thing you could do. Twenty people bought it. I've just found it. So there you go. It's a good trip for him. Anyway, so he's made. He's, well, Steve, he thinks he's lightened the mood <laughs> by being here, absolutely leathered. Because <laughs> who, doesn't, con- who yeah. doesn't love seeing a mate who's been on the ale all day when you've not? Exactly the confidence of a very drunk man. Being like, I'm, I'm doing a lovely job. And you've lost to what would have been, I think, second division Crystal Palace in an mm. FA Cup semi-final. <laughs> so we, we picked up the story in the Chinese restaurant. We're sitting having having the meal and firing away, and I'm acting stupid as usual, and and Gary Ablett's wife was sat next to me. Now, back in the day with the big lines mane, you know, all the girls had the big lines manes hair, but she had like four gallon of lacquer on it. <laughs> and so it was like, it was like a big bush on the top of her head. And of course, I, I'm sitting smoking and I'm sitting there looking at it. And for some reason, I'm thinking, I wonder what would happen if I let that. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of a normal thing to do. <laughs> but it seemed, like, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Oh, man. I got, me lighter, I got me lighter, and I'm sitting there like that, and I'm like, yeah, I'll just try it. And I'm like that, and I flicked it. <laughs> the thing went up. The thing just went up. 
That was just what I was asking you. I was just asking you. What, 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 you what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> As, as you do when you have a couple of people, you know what I mean? Oh, no. And I'm standing banging her on the head. And then Gary Ablett's like, what are you doing? And he's grabbing his jacket and putting his jacket on her head and all that. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what I'll take it she was okay. Please tell me she's all right. Please tell me she's okay. Oh, she's okay now. I, I think it's grown back now. <laughs> <laughs> Might have taken a couple of years, but it's quite good, Mike. <laughs> he thinks it's all a jolly joke. Let me read this to you. Pyromania is a type of impulse control disorder that is characterised by being unable to resist starting fires. People with pyromania know that setting fires is harmful, but setting fires is the only way they can relieve their built-up tension, anxiety, or arousal. I mean, to set fire to a person is... <laughs> it's, it's a bit out there, it's isn't it? It's psychotic, isn't it? I think so, Michael. You know, he's like, ah, you know what you do when you're drunk. You just think, ah... I'll just see if I can... I'll just try and scar someone for life. <laughs> okay. And that's how he made it out as well. Like, oh, you know what it's like when you've had a few drinks. First, Your first impulse is to set fire to someone. The other thing I took from that is the... Uh, there's another aspect of Brendan Aronson's improvement, smoking. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And so if we've got him... Beer and tabs. No filters. Yeah, if we've got him on a... <laughs> take, take the filters out? Yeah, no. He's not made filters. No. Huh? If we've got him drinking on a train or on a bus, obviously not on the train or on the bus, but yeah, in the, in the beer garden, wherever it goes to, pack from, of 20 in each pub. From my stalking of his girlfriend on Instagram, I did... That's a very emotive word, Michael. I did discover him um, looking terrified in a cat cafe the other day. Yeah, you so. see, they, they keep putting him in these, uh, they keep doing these wholesome, nice mm. things, going to cafe. No, they need pub, My, beer, other, my other promise sits. to you, Brendan, I won't try and take a single picture of you. Because it looks like at the moment, if he has any sort of day out, there has to be like at least a dozen pictures of the same thing happening, <laughs> which I, I would just find soul destroying. I'd <laughs> be like, just, just, do I have to let's maybe, just sit here and enjoy this food, shall we? Maybe around closing time, there does need to be like one photograph taken of him so mm. that the next day he can be shown it and In go, see how much better mm. you look, see how happy you were, see how, <laughs> how good and strong you felt. Like, this is you just after you'd fought that policeman, which you would never normally have done, would you? So you see the benefits. Let's close out on a soundtrack, a relegation soundtrack. This Billy B then, is it? Yeah, he's put this together. I'm not sure. I think he might have been uh, getting shit-faced on a train ahead of sending this. Relegate again, ole, ole. Relegate again, ole. Oh. Fucking hell. Marcelo Bielsa, <laughs> fucking order fuck off. <laughs> Championships fucking meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, fuck off. <laughs> and Brendan, that's how we want to hear you at the end of the night. <laughs> let's let's fix yeah, up well, Brendan with Billy B. Yeah. Oh dear me. Well, there you go. That wraps up propaganda. We've got some propaganda extra coming. Got a little quiz. Got oh, quiz nice. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. Right, I'm looking forward to that, Michael. Uh, what's that about? Um, it's called La Celeste or Midwest. It's a geography-based quiz about whether stuff's nearer to Uruguay or um, Jesse Marsh's hometown. No, that sounds good. It does I'm sound ex- good, I'm you're right. I'm looking forward to that. Don't. You'll have to play it properly, Dan. Come on, put some effort in. It's pure It'll guesswork, so it'll be perfect for you. <laughs> oh, great. Because I, I know you know nothing about football. Uh, absolutely no football knowledge. 
Right, thanks for joining us on this one. We'll see you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.